Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nightline is brought to you by the Dever Team. Your source for New Smyrna Beach real estate and everything else New Smyrna Beach. Go to www.thedeverteam.com and call UCF alumni Travis Dever for all your New Smyrna Beach needs. 386-690-1636. That's 386-690-1636. Welcome to UCF Nightline, your source for UCF sports and former player information. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fagley. Joining me, as always, is... Trace Trolko. Hello, everyone. All right. This is episode 130, coming to you from the 1148 Studios. Ends in a zero. I know you like that. It does, yeah. 130 episodes. I mean, we've we've done this a lot. We have. You know what also (laughs) ends in a zero? UCF moves to nine and zero after beating UConn 49-24. That's only a 25-point win. Kyle Israel helps us break it down. Plus, former men's basketball player Casey Wilson joins the Nightline team as we talk hoops. We're answering your questions during Ask Nightline, and we find out firsthand why soccer can be a cruel game. But first, (laughs) not the actual Frost Baby. No, no, no. no. Disclaimer. Disclaimer, that is not what he sounds like. Baby's uh, here, though. No, the baby is here. Healthy, happy nameless as we go to recording or not yet been released so thought was interesting is that UConn's head coach presented coach Frost with this UConn baby onesie yeah that's cool which this baby's not ever going to wear one time but coach Frost said it might be a good replacement for that um, missing conflict trophy well uh, so they had a little fun with that in the post game they did yeah that's cool that's cool though what a what a statement and what a uh sports what a nice thing to do i mean for you know a coach that is your is one of your uh i tried to think of this word earlier and i can't think of the word one of your uh peers peers yes one of your peers that will work yeah gosh so it's been a long day the post game Coach Frost said that there would be an announcement about this baby name. Now, you may not know this. I posted on our Twitter, at UCF underscore Nightline, the following question before we started to record. The name of Baby Frost has not yet been revealed to UCF fans. Might mean one of these are in play. Vote now. Andrew Frost? Really? <laughs> or Trace Frost? <laughs> and and you haven't stacked this? 
vote? No. You haven't been voting no, over no, and no. over again I for haven't. multiple devices? <laughs> That's funny. 75% prefer Andrew Frost. Really? <laughs> I think you had something to do with this. No, I, I, I didn't even see it. I knew nothing about it's it. It's early in the voting. That. That's funny. I knew nothing about so it. So it's in play. That's awesome. It could be Andrew Frost. Uh, I will say this, though. I don't understand quite the drawn-out process of revealing the name of, of the child, but I'm looking for something when it's finally revealed. It's all uh, for security reasons. I'm looking for a photo of this baby in the UCF onesie, and if I see that, I'm going to feel Coach Frost is staying. And if I don't see it, I'm going to be concerned. Well, you know how the during recruiting, the, the players put on a hat? Yeah. Well, maybe he'll put a, a onesie on the baby. Maybe he's going to bring the baby to the press conference and, and just set it right the on baby, the baby up over the podium. Yeah. I'm staying. Or, oh, I'm, or, I'm, or I'm not. Or, no, no, not that. Jeez, that would be horrible. Well, yeah, he'll put the onesie of whatever team oh. he's going to is what I or was saying. Or just the hat, uh, the or little hat, baby hat. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, he's got a couple of hats there, yeah. the Nebraska hat. Puts the hat on the baby, the Florida hat. Okay, he, he's not right. going anywhere, folks. Right. He's not. I, I want to stop this That's talk. not the talk in Omaha, Nebraska, as you well found out during tailgating. Saturday. Yeah, there was a guy. <laughs> there was, was a guy. <laughs> there was a reporter from the uh, Omaha World Herald, which is the big paper up there in Omaha. I think it's How only... far is Omaha to Lincoln? I have no idea. Oh, I thought you knew everything about no. that part of the country. I don't think you so. You lived in Kansas. It's all the same thing, I would thing, think right? that Omaha to Lincoln maybe is an hour, maybe two. No. How about uh, Nightline Postgame Live, another good show? It was good. I, I want to say I greatly, greatly appreciate, and I posted on Facebook and, and Twitter and all that, I greatly appreciate everybody that stopped me and, and said hi. That is like the best thing for me. Uh, even one person said, you're going to have to get used to this because you're a celebrity now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So next week, are if you? you do that, autographs are 10 bucks because we need money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Just joking. Let's have a bake but sale. I, sell lemonade. It, it means the world to me uh, that you guys come out and say hi because uh, otherwise... You know, we're just talking into these microphones, and, and we sometimes wonder if anybody listens. So. Uh, Andrew Frost down from 75 to 69%. Now, we're not radio, That's... so nobody can hear it, but I'm getting a little traction here. Maybe I'll campaign a little really? bit. Really? Huh. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> so back on uh, Post Game Live. So Temple Game is this coming Saturday, noon. Yeah, and I'm not sure... <sighs> where we're going to be for not this. sure if i'm going to do it you know i would rather do it here personally i like to do the away games from here because i'm in my i'm in the 1148 studios and i feel very comfortable and i think that that last one after the smu game was one of the best ones yeah, and that one was from here and it was just me and the callers and i i just had a really good time doing that one but i do have an announcement and mm. that we can make now Next football season, uh, and there will be some things on this particular vehicle before that. You can now find us. This is a big, should have had some like trumpets or drums or do, something. Do, 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 do. Yeah. You can now find us on iHeartRadio. Hmm. And we will be for post game live next year. We will not be on YouTube. We will be on iHeartRadio. Their app is 
is really cool, and I know that the game is on that app as well. When you are listening, the ra- that radio station, uh, what is it, 740 or 96.9 doesn't come in very well in a lot of parts of Orlando, which Not is kind of weird. Not here in Sanford, it doesn't. Right. Uh, and I know so a lot of people listen to that on their phones or tablets or whatever. So you can switch directly at 30 minutes after the game to iHeartRadio and hear us starting next football season. One button. And there, there's a tab on here, because I've had this app. Mm-hmm. There's a podcast tab I never noticed. Right. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've liked this. That's my first podcast that I like. Good. Yeah, so we're there on we there are. now. We're on there, as of, I believe, last night on there now. But there's going to be a lot more happening on iHeartRadio for Nightline. A lot more to happen for the Knights, too. What do you make of the game? 40-point favorite, they win by 25, though it was 32 until late. I was a little bit disappointed, I will say. I thought that we could have handled UConn a little bit better, which we're watching on the TV over here right now. Currently, where we're watching, it's 42-17. I do miss CFL action when we've been recording. That was our summer thing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. No, I'm fine watching the UCF going on in in the CFL as well. That's getting down to to the time. But I was a little disappointed. I thought the team looked flat at times. I thought they were definitely playing down to their competition, and you'll you'll hear me ask that question to one of our football insiders at some point. Yeah, our our player insiders. You know, Gabe Davis, who's just been great. And you will hear me in those interviews talk a lot about that man. Yeah, uh, Gabe said that after they got up early, there was a collective letdown on the team, a lack of energy, and I think that speaks to that playing to the level of the opponent. Right. And also, I mean, everybody wants to talk about it. Here's here's us talking about it. Uh, the fan participation, fill in the stands, butts in the seats, or lack thereof. Yeah, uh, and the and the players see that stuff more than anybody sees that. Yeah, I think it's interesting so. when we actually ask players, and they say that they do feed off the energy. Right? That you assume that one, right? That they feed off the energy. If there's not a lot of energy. There's nothing to feed off of. Right. So they feel it as well. Yeah. So that definitely could have been a little bit of it. But I think that we play down to the competition and up to the competition. So I think that this next week playing Temple, I think you're going to see it up again. And I think that the week after that, you're going to see it up again. Mm, And I think the week after that, you're going to see it up again. So and then the week after that or a couple weeks. As long as the team hasn't peaked. And no, as long they're... as this is a you know a little ebb, and then we we rise back up. This might be the yes the ebb before the flow, for sure. Okay. Yeah, ebb and flow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this could be that, and and that's fine. I mean, we're still winning the games, people. We're still winning the games. Yeah, forty nine points. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> we're nine and zero. Oh. I mean, that is the stuff that can't be forgotten. Yeah, well, about. it seems pollsters don't seem to pay much well, attention to it. Did you share that? Yeah, no. The, no the, these new polls uh, mean not a whole lot UCF of anything. UCF moves absolutely nowhere in the polls. Still 12th in the coaches' poll, 14th in the AP poll, and we'll find out Tuesday night if UCF moves up in the college football playoff rankings, which are pretty horrible if you ask me. The Knights remained stuck at 18 I don't last see week. Maybe one. There Maybe were, there one. were quite a few teams that took a loss this week. So we're like Rodney Dangerfield. We get no respect. Can we use that clip? We could. Maybe next Maybe week. Maybe next week. 
for the young people that are listening to this, <laughs> maybe you don't know, but Roddy Dangerfield, it, 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 he was a comedian, a very, very, very funny guy. Uh, and he always said, oh, I get no respect. And it's pretty much what's happening here. Now, so, UCF has to channel that into a bit of a chip on their shoulder and exactly. rise up with I that level be, of energy. Coach Frost says that he doesn't uh, pay attention to those things, but somebody needs to be paying attention to that and, you know, get all that going. We a lot do of sound have, bites. We do have a ton of sound bites here. We have football stuff we have basketball stuff we have soccer stuff all of it so let's get going here this is scott frost's kind of opening statement might have a couple questions or a couple uh, answers in there so it may be a little bit of a mashup anytime you can win in this league it's it's a good win i, I told the team after uh I, i'm amazed and proud of what they've accomplished it's hard to be nine and oh it's also an interesting feeling when you come off and and not everybody's elated because they they know we didn't play our, quite our best as a football team it's awesome when you get a win when you don't quite play your best uh but i i think think our guys understand we're going to have to be at our best in in upcoming weeks so we're looking forward to getting back to work i think we made some mistakes that and we hurt ourselves a few times you know we we are driving to score and we fumble and then we have a low snap on the first play of the drive and we put ourselves in a second and whatever that was, 68, and, and a couple more mistakes. Those are the things that you can't do against really good football teams and, and we got some of those on our schedule coming up so that we have some stuff to clean up. This team doesn't really need rah-rah speeches. This team has plenty of energy. All we need to do is go out and do our job and execute. I think they understand that. Um, I don't want to be a coach of a team that, that needs me to do jumping jacks and yell at them to play hard, and our guys don't need that. Uh, we just needed to quit making mistakes. There was a little bit of humor in there if you didn't get that from, from Coach Frost, so he's got a little bit more energy this week. Maybe hasn't been listening to the baby monitor all night long, but he did say second and 68 there. Yeah, that was so funny. That was funny, yeah, I was thought. Funny. And there was, it seemed like it. There was a collective you know, laughter in, in the press room for that one, so... The next clip that I want to play here real quick is what Scott Frost had to say about Mackenzie Milton. Mackenzie's been our catalyst. We have a lot of guys around him that can make football plays, but Mackenzie's the one making the decisions and distributing. And I thought he played a clean game today. Their defense did a good job and took away some of the things we thought we were going to have, and that made us sputter a little bit. Some of our mistakes made us sputter. But, man, when we need plays, Mackenzie makes them. And he, he's been lights out from a decision-making standpoint all year. So... Uh, another good performance by him. All right. So obviously there's his comments about Mackenzie Milton, and, and that's cool. 24 of 36, 311 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Second leading rusher, 10 carries, 57 yards, another touchdown on the ground. By the way, the uh, he's one of the finalists, 16 finalists for the Davey O'Brien Award, recognizing the nation's best quarterback. Awesome. And it – right? Did it seem like it was a great day? I still think that you he know? needs to be in the uh, Heisman race. No. He still needs to be on that list. I, I really think there's some guys next year. Yeah. Just could be could be real stars Absolutely. on that list. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's multiple. Nonetheless, finalist for the Davey O'Brien Award. That's pretty good. That's huge. And then, and then Troy Walters uh, among the finalists for the Broyles Award, recognizing the nation, nation's best assistant coach. Unbelievable. And we've talked about Coach Frost yeah. being on the list, finalist for Coach of the Year. Absolutely. And he should be. So you mentioned a little bit ago about the the Omaha World Herald guy. Uh, There was a little exchange in the the press conference with that guy and uh, Scott Frost. And I thought that this was an interesting thing. I normally don't leave reporters questions in these little 
clips that I play. But I left it in this one because I want you guys to hear this. Uh, this is an interesting conversation that went on. Scott, two years ago when you took this job, did you expect it to happen this fast for this team? No, I don't think so. Um, I knew this place had unlimited potential. That's what I said coming in. Um, but it, but this has been an own 12 program. And I, I was really impressed by some of the talent on the team, by the resiliency of the players and the desire to be better. Um, I think the recruiting has gone really well uh, to fill in some of the gaps. And then this team has bonded together like very few teams that I've been around. Um, so I knew we could be really good around here. I, I, I'm not sure I even thought it could happen this fast. But we have a lot more work to do this year, and the guys have their, their sights set on some pretty good things this year. When something's this new, like this program is, in so many ways, it's hard to you know, know exactly what the ceiling is. Do, do you, have you sort of reflected on that or, or thought about how high UCF could go? You know, I think given time, UCF can be – I don't know if there is a ceiling. Um, th this is the best college town in, in Florida. It's it's a huge school with good leadership. Um, it's just new. I, I think if, the, if this place had been around as long as some of the other schools around the country, um, this would be a powerhouse. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this growth because I, I think this can be a special place. And I, I don't think anybody will know what the ceiling is until uh, down the road. But um, UCF has been great to me. This community has been great to me through the birth of my son, and I'm grateful to a lot of people for having a chance to be a part of this. Scott, to that point, 9-0 is 9-0. You've talked about your players playing with a chip on their shoulders. What's it going to take to get a little national respect, certainly specifically with regard to the playoff? Yeah, I don't care. Um, I, and I know I should – you guys want me to comment on that. All we can do is beat the teams in front of us. and. And I don't like when people's opinions are drawn on sports. I, I just don't like it. I like when things are decided on the field. All we can do is take care of results on the field. So far, our guys are um, perfect in that respect. So we're going to keep trying to work to finish the year that way, and the chips will fall where they may. All right, well, I forgot that I left that clip from Pat Clark asking that last question from Channel 2 in there, but I, I wanted you all to hear that question as well in the way that Scott Frost answered it. I love what Scott Frost said about UCF having virtually no ceiling and being able to do pretty much anything here and that he loves being here and loves being a part of the growth and that his kid was born here also Orlando being the best college town. Well, and, I think that's a puff answer there. I think that's well, I that think leaves that a bit to be desired. Maybe that was a little answer, stab but, at Florida. Uh, that to may be honest been. with you. Maybe that was a stab at Gainesville, or just a little shrug off right. of Florida. Uh, of of Florida. So yeah. I mean, it's hard to beat uh, Gainesville on game day. Well, you know, I've, I've never. It's hard to beat Gainesville. I would on never. Game day. I would never. I worked there but, for a year. And, no, I know, but so but I would never. So, uh, yeah. So. I think that, that those things that he said right there are positive things, and, and to me it speaks volumes. Yeah. So, As it stands, with Georgia losing to Auburn, UCF one of four unbeatens remaining. UCF, Alabama, Miami, Wisconsin. How about that? Nice company. Some new bowl projections out. CBSSports.com has Auburn and UCF in the peach. SB Nation has UCF and Penn State in the peach. I would take either one of those. And my sister went to Penn State for grad school. She's going to be here with the kids uh, right after Christmas over New Year's. And Perfect. I sent that to her today. If it's UCF and Penn State in the peach bowl, 
We may be going to Atlanta. All right. Well, maybe you can report I don't know what's from happening Atlanta to the... because I will probably be doing post game live after that show, Ooh. for sure. After 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 that show, after the uh, bowl game, whichever bowl. We're getting ahead is. of ourselves. So, anyway, all right. I got one more thing here, and and this is something. Uh, another Scott Frost clip. If if people don't know the story of Rory Coleman, there was a video that ESPN did. I believe this week about him. He is a very, very, very special guy to have on our team in general and a Purple Heart winner and just a very, very special story. So here's what Scott Frost had to say about him. And I got another clip of a player talking about him as well coming up. Yeah, he and I have a pretty tight relationship, and I was going to make him a captain today, and I, the captains have to go out early, and uh, we talked, and I think he preferred to carry the flag out uh, in front of the team. So we let him do that, and then he joined the captains. But it's great to see him in the game. He's certainly taken a, a path where he deserves any accolades he get gets, and I'm glad to see him out on the field playing with his brother. So if you don't know the story, he's a purple heart recipient, recipient, not a winner, I guess that's not something that you're a winner of, but, uh, also he got that purple heart in Afghanistan, uh, as a combat medic was hit by shrapnel and came very close to losing his life, (laughs) to be honest with you. So for him to be playing in his dream, even after that was to play college football, and he, you know, plays here at UCF and doesn't get in there a lot. But when he does, he always does something special. And he it, he means a lot to players and staff. Here's what Shaquem Griffin had to say about Rory. I mean, Rory brings bring the juice to us every day. It don't have to be a special day for him to bring the juice for us. We, we, we feel his presence every time he's around. And I know I talk to him every day. He keeps me pumped up. He keeps me going and making sure that I'm staying on top of the team. And, you know, but even when I'm not doing it, you know, Rory's going to step in. So that energy that Rory has, it doesn't have to be a special day for him. Because every day he's going to stay on top of us. I would think every day that he is playing college football is a special day for him. Rory so. Coleman, a finalist named for the Armed Forces Merit Award. And you had Shaquem Griffin there. He's named to a couple of lists. One of 10 finalists for the 2017 Senior Class Award, recognizing character and achievement on and off the field. You know that the 10 are good candidates and are all deserving. Vote Shaquem. Shaquem also named <laughs> one of 20 finalists for the Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year. Absolutely. Could not go to a better person, I'm telling you right now. I'm very biased, obviously, with those guys, but uh, a great, you know, great brothers and uh, and great uh, family as well there. All right, another clip that I got here, Otis Anderson. We, of course, need to hear from him. This is what he had to say about his game, and uh, he got down quite a bit on the sidelines after the uh, fumble that he had, but uh, he talks about how the players just weren't having that, basically, and, and really – Picked him up and and got him back out there. Uh, it was just something that the team team made sure I do. They told me to keep my head up and, and go back out and make another play. Uh, they said it happens to the best of us. So for me to get back in the game and, and show that I can I can make another big play is, is really important and keeps my confidence up. Great old line blocking got me to the second level. Uh, made a person miss, but after that, my touchdown really goes to Traquan. Without him, I think I'd have had a, a very hard time getting into the end zone. In the beginning of the game, you know, it's a it's a salute game. So my dad was in the service. I really had a lot of emotions flowing for me just to have a great game for him. And um, my mom's birthday was yesterday. So, you know, I, I want to have a great game. The fumble kind of threw me off kilter. 
Um, but you know the team, the team won't let me keep my head down for too long. I had to get back up and make the next play. So after I scored, it, it's like I kind of perked back up and brought brought back what I usually have, and that's juice. So my 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 game kind of went from from up to down, back to up. So I felt like I had a great game. It just tells me that they have a lot of confidence in me. Um, that's that's very important for a player's confidence. Just just for them to put you back in and say go make another play. And, and me showing that I can do that it really helps me keep my head up and do what I do best. All right. Well, that's good that uh, his teammates lifted him up and that, uh, you know, he was able to have a short memory and get back out there. And, you know, this game was important to a lot of the of the players being the, the uh, Veterans Day game and all that stuff. I, I think that's a big deal to a lot of the players because a lot of players have families. They were showing them up on the board and all that stuff. I think it's awesome. I love that we do this, and uh, I was looking forward to it for sure uh, for that. And I, the helmets were, were cool, uh, all that stuff. So I'm glad that, we, that, that uh, UCF did that. I got one more clip here I want to play real quick, and it's Mackenzie Milton talking about his game. I think you just have to hold yourself to, stand, to your own standard um, throughout every day, um, whether it's in practice or in the game. Um, I felt today we came out a little flat. I think uh, he hit on it, saying uh, penalties. Um, we got behind the sticks a lot today, which it, it doesn't make it make it easy on ourselves. So um, we just got we, we just got to check out the film, um, see what UConn did. Um, they played very hard. Uh, hats off to them. But uh, I mean, uh, it, I think it speaks volumes of our team when uh, we don't play our best, but we can still win by uh, 25 points. Um, I mean, it was tough. Like uh, like I said, we get behind the sticks. Um, UConn was playing tough. They brought a lot of pressures. Um, a lot of edge pressures and inside pressures. Um, they played tough. Um, we just uh, we just weren't on our game today, you know, honestly, on the offensive side of the ball. But we we made enough plays to get some points on the board, and uh, I think uh, I think we'll come out next week and play a little better. Yeah, I mean, uh, UConn they're they're kind of playing off throughout the game. The corners are playing soft, so we hit them with a lot of hitches. Um, and then uh, that play uh, it was a hitch and go. Traquan just ran past him and uh, he got a pi and. Speaks volumes of trade points. He, he can he can make grabs with bodies all over him. So um, it's good to get big plays every now and then. But uh, we got to be more consistent on our side of the ball. I think any team good any good team has to be battle tested and uh, face some adversity throughout the season. And uh, we know that that we're uh, we're nine and zero now, and we're just gonna keep getting everybody's best shot. Um, nobody's gonna fold to us. Nobody's gonna come in and just lay down to us. We we know we're gonna get people's best shot. So we just have to come come ready to play and. Uh, be juiced up for whoever for whoever's lining up across across from us all right well that's the football clips so we're going to take everybody's best shot which means it's temple's turn absolutely to give that best shot and and i think you know that's some of this as well playing down we're playing down and they're playing giving it their absolute all well for for uconn it's is good a bowl as they're going to get right Absolutely. i mean and austin not, p as well yeah. you saw that you saw what they did they did they had went to disney and the beach and all this stuff it was like a bowl game to them so now, of course, it wasn't quite the same deal for yukon but in the proverbial sense of right. of, of trying to knock off a top ranked team would have been a big deal for them from a recruiting standpoint so you're going to get more of the same from temple absolutely and uh we have uh 
our questions with the insider. That'll come out later in the week. Uh, he was pretty good. He, he dug deep and gave us a lot of information. Some yeah, injury news. Yeah, we've had him on before. So. Yeah. So, Very good. Um, we're going to have Kyle coming up next, and we wove in some of the Ask Nightline questions that you've uh, sent our way, and we really appreciate everybody doing that. We, uh, we pop that out on Twitter and Facebook on Sundays, so we have some topics to talk about and early on you know we didn't know if we'd get any and now we get so many i'm trying to figure out they're good awesome. questions i love that people are giving us questions so i'm trying to figure out where to put them in and this time I've, I've, we asked nick patty we asked kyle israel and we're going to have uh because we've got so much basketball's back that's right. we've got casey wilson coming casey, up i'm so excited so to nick casey patty this week. we went really long with nick and that'll come out during the week as well so nightline every day yeah, right. all week long. All right, before we go to Kyle, let's talk soccer for just a moment. UCF women's soccer out of the NCAA tournament, an own goal of all things. It was heartbreaking, really. Ten seniors on this team. First time I've been to a game in quite a while where it was so emotional after the game. A lot of just tears. Mm. You know, this is a tight-knit team, senior-laden team. Uh, just hard, hard to watch them so upset with the way they went out. Played pretty well, had opportunities. Now, in fairness, they ended the season with the Cows. They went scoreless for 120 minutes, right? The regulation and then the extra time. I don't know if that totaled 120, but extra time. And then they lose in the PKs, and they don't score. So this is back-to-back games, as prolific as they were during the season. They didn't score uh, in their last two games. How did the own goal happen? Just, you know, however you own goal, it's just horrible. It's, it was you know, just, just off of somebody's foot uh, or shoulder no, or something. I, I, I'm not sure where. It might have been her head. I'm not sure. Uh, now, thinking back so on it. So it was the player, not the goalie. No, it went off the player. Okay. Off Ooh. the UCF player and went into the goal. That's and, one of the weirdest things that, that happened. And then and that's all they gave up, and they really dominated play. Again, they had opportunities to score, so they didn't do that. You know, yeah. um, but let's hear from head coach Tiffany Roberts, the Haydeck, talking about the emotional uh, nature of this loss. When you have something that special, like character and the people, uh, you you want to keep it together as long as you can. So I'm sad, and I'm sad for I'm sad for them. As you can see, it's heart wrenching for them, and it's heart wrenching for me. Heart-wrenching for the fans, too. Meantime, men's soccer lost in Sunday's American Championship. 2-1 defeat in overtime. SMU's the champ. Still, really not a bad late run for first-year UCF head coach Scott Calabrese. By the way, another Danny White hire. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Takes him to the, uh, to the title game in the American in his first season. Right? He hits home runs. Absolute home runs. Like yeah. That. Kyle, Casey, your questions. Who could ask for anything more? Next. Do you want to sell more falafel? Former UCF quarterback Kyle Israel sure does. That's why he advertises the Little Greek Fresh Grill on Nightline. Talk to Night Nation about your restaurant, brewery, or whatever business through Nightline, the source for UCF sports talk. With newsmaking guests and the best coverage of UCF athletics you'll find anywhere, even in Greece, you can take it to the bank. Contact us right now. Don't wait. Via Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline via email at andrew at ucfnightlinepodcast.com or call us now at 407-205-7427. Go Knights and charge on. Welcome to Inside the Huddle with former UCF quarterback Kyle Israel brought to you by the Little Greek Fresh Grill. Fresh, flavorful, fabulous Waterford Lakes, 855 North Alfea Trail, Orlando. 
Let's talk about UCF's win over UConn, a victory that moved the Knights to 9-0. and Nighttime football analyst and former UCF quarterback Kyle Israel, the falafel king, helps us break it all down. <laughs> Kyle, uh, thanks for joining us again on Nightline. So you were at the game. What was your vantage? What was your reaction? Well, yesterday, guys, it was uh, a different vantage point for me. I had the opportunity, uh, one of my good friends, Greg Perlman, um, with Northwestern Mutual, they have a, a on-field cabana down there, and he asked me to sit with, with him for the game. And so I got to uh, to watch the game from the, the cabana seats on the field. And you know what? I, I was sitting there throughout the course of the game and saying, you know, I haven't found a seat that's much better than being under center, but if you're going to consider everything, uh, the food, the service, being right there in the action, I was right there on that goal line stand for us in the first quarter that we had. I mean, that that's one of the best seats for a, for a sporting event that I've ever been in, and it was certainly a great vantage point for the game. UCF Athletics will need permission from Nightline to use that in a commercial. (laughs) The on-field cabanas. Did they have any Greek food by chance down there? They didn't have any Greek food, but I'll tell you what, I'm not a guy that's looking for any Greek food on my days off. I guarantee that. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess let's talk about this game. What are your immediate thoughts after this game? Well, I, I think that, um, number one, it, it was a game where we truly showed how much better we were than UConn. I think that uh, UConn came out much better prepared than I anticipated. Their, their freshman quarterback, um, you know, he's a guy, I think, that, that was good for us to play yesterday because um, with, with, uh, Marlon, with Marlon Mack, or excuse me, Quentin Flowers. I don't know why I said Marlon Mack. That guy's in the NFL now. Uh, Quentin Flowers at South Florida. He is a dual threat style quarterback. He's a guy that's going to move the pocket, be able to uh, make plays with his legs uh, here two weeks from now when we play South Florida. So I thought it was good for us to see a versatile quarterback. He was uh, had great elusiveness and was able to make some plays for them and throw the ball down the field. So number one, looking forward, I think that uh, our defense was able to get some looks uh, that maybe they haven't been able to get the entire season with um, uh, outside of, of Navy, really, with a quarterback that can run the football. Uh, and I thought we did a pretty good job of containing him. Uh, I, I think offensively, uh, we saw some guys, Otis Anderson stepped up, had a big game. He obviously had that, that one fumble down the sidelines that, that killed a scoring drive. Uh, but overall, you know, some fans would say 49-24, you know, UConn's not that good, but UConn came to play. Uh, you got to remember, we're going to get everybody's best uh, each week now. The target's on our back. People are going to come to play, and, and I think UConn did yesterday. But um, I, I saw some things uh, out of our offense and some resiliency, uh, both offensively and defensively, that kept me excited and motivated moving forward. But uh, obviously some penalties and some turnovers and some big plays defensively that you, uh, you want to continue to work on getting better at. We get a lot of questions on our Ask Nightline segment, and I'd ask folks on Twitter during the game, send some to uh, Kyle, and so I want to throw a couple of those to you. Pinecone Rocks on Twitter asks, why is McKenzie holding on to the ball so long and taking sacks? Now, mind you, we win several games where there were no sacks, so now alarm because there's two in the game, but uh, do you see anything there with holding on to the ball too long? No, I don't know. I go back to McKenzie's stat line. He was 24-36, 311 yards, two touchdowns, 10 rushes, 52 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. I mean, I think McKenzie played a phenomenal game. You got to understand that in our offense, the way that some of these routes develop and open up down the field, um, sometimes McKenzie just can't take his step or take his drop 
uh, and and deliver it right away. These routes, you you, you saw Gabe Dace, Davis clear out across the field yesterday and catch a ball streaking kind of across the formation. Those type of routes where guys are coming from the left side or the you know from one side of the field to the other at a length of 18 to 22 yards down the field. Uh, that takes some time to develop, and I think that we have some plays in our offense that are obviously big hitters, and if McKenzie's going to get the ball down the field to those guys, uh, he's going to have to to, to to wait and wait for those guys to get open. So I think it's nothing that I'm concerned about at all. Um, you know, I think UConn did a good job of bringing some pressure at times um, that forced, uh, you know, forced us out of our comfort zone, especially there in the third quarter. You could see UConn came out at halftime, and, and, and changed up some of what they were doing defensively. But I'm not concerned about McKenzie holding on to the football. I mean, that guy's been, the, you know, arguably the best player on our team all year. And, and really, if you think about it, when we need, need a big play, McKenzie's there to provide it for us. And that's how you win a game by 25 points going away and your fan base is still kind of scratching their head, head saying, you know, was that our best effort? Uh, but, you know, I think McKenzie's is just, just right where we want him as we go into Temple in South Florida. Well, one of the post-game quotes from Frost was, uh, you know, when you score 49 and people think it's not enough, then maybe you got a good problem. And I referenced that into Tim on Facebook, who says, I'm wondering about our offense specifically. We seem to be struggling now. You know, he says, even though we scored 49, uh, he's expecting more consistent play. Have teams figured us out or is fatigue setting in? Well, you're you're making it hard for me because you're you're making me choose from those two things, Trace. I think a little bit of <laughs> Tim you know, is fatigue. Tim is I'm not Tim is. <laughs> <laughs> I think a little bit of fatigue has set in uh, as you get to to the end of the the year. I think uh, the the idea and and you never want to say this, but we we played against a, a you know some lesser competition. Obviously, SMU was not lesser competition last week on the road. They're a very good football team, but a noon game. Um, you know, on, on a drizzly kind of rainy Saturday. Uh, I think that the guys are coming out a little bit flat, just a tiny bit. But, you know, as the game starts to get going, you know, our offense went out and scored pretty quickly yesterday, went right down the field. Um, but I, I, I think that more than anything else, uh, you probably see a little bit of fatigue, guys getting, getting a little bit tired. Um, but we have so many playmakers on our team across the board, specifically offensively, uh, the, the guys are, guys are going to be fresher than Temple. Our team's going to be fresher, I think, than South Florida in two weeks. I think our team's going to be fresher uh, than a Memphis or, or whoever comes out of the West if we have the opportunity to play in a conference championship game. Uh, just because of how many different guys touch the football, we're going to be, fi- be able to find some fresh legs. And we got some young guys. It's not like we got you know, fourth and fifth year seniors across the board who have taken their beatings through their years of college football. I mean, we got uh, young individuals, Gabe Davis, uh, obviously Otis, Killens. Those guys are touching the football a lot. Dredrick Snelson, he wasn't a big part of the game yesterday, but he's a weapon for us and has been. Um, so you may see guys getting a little bit tired, but and, and I think that maybe the, the competition level, uh, you know, yesterday, obviously against Austin P, uh, you're going to see some sloppiness. Sometimes guys aren't as focused, but, you know, I, I, I know Coach Frost and the staff will have us ready to go up in the, on, on a road against a tough team in Temple, really well coached team, and then obviously against South Florida. All right, so talking a little bit about the fatigue and all that okay. stuff, there has been a few players, like you mentioned, uh, Snelson, that wasn't really involved yesterday. 
Adrian Killens wasn't involved very much after just seven carries. We do have a lot of depth, and and are they giving some of these players a little bit of a rest that you're not seeing if they're just a little bit tiny banged up, or do you think that some of those guys are getting some time to, to relax because we do have so many players that can make big plays? Well, I think that I think that some of it is matchups. You know, UConn, Jedrick Snelson, for the most part yesterday, looked like a decoy or, or a blocking guy on tunnel screens. I mean, a lot of times game plans are based on what the other team is going to give you and, and where the weaknesses are in their defense. So yesterday, I think it was clear that some of the deeper crossing patterns were, 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 were going to places we wanted to attack UConn, and we were able to attack them there. When we got one-on-one matchups on the outside, uh, we were able to take those down the field uh, as well. So I think that some of it is, is matchup related. I think that when you have so many guys that can touch the ball, you definitely want to get it in everybody's hands. It lessens the opportunity for injuries of some of your key guys. Yesterday it, it seemed like I believe Adrian Killens had a little bit of an ankle there, and that's probably why we didn't see him return. And I think the game was at a point where we were in control um, so yeah, I think you'd rather sit Adrian down with a with a sore ankle than try to make him push through that uh, when the game is uh, you know basically uh, out of hand at that point. So or or at least close to being out of hand. So uh, you know I, I think that it's a combination of the things, the matchups, uh, what are the weaknesses of the other team, and um, and yeah, being able to spread the ball around and get it to a lot of guys. And, and, and frankly, you know, if you're going to tell recruits that you're going to get the best players on the field and get them as much action as possible, uh, you know, actions speak louder than words. And right now, if we're telling recruits in their living rooms that they're going to have opportunity to play, all you got to do is look on Saturdays and see how many freshmen and sophomores are in skilled positions on the field. You mentioned Gabe Davis earlier. Talk a little bit about him and the upside that he has, you know, especially I think going into next year when uh, when Traquan Smith probably moves on to the NFL. Gabe Davis, I think, even though he's, he's a tight end, quote unquote, he could probably, you know, have a good chance of stepping in there and doing a lot. I think so, too. I think Gabe Davis is, is honestly one of the most talented players on our team for obviously being a freshman, but just being down there on the field yesterday and watching him warm up. He's very big. Uh, he's got great size. He's got great field awareness and he knows how to run routes. And I think that combination at such a young age uh, goes to show how talented Gabe can be. He reminds me of guys like Kamar Aiken when he was young. Kamar was a, a guy that started as a true freshman with me my senior year. He saw the field right away. Just He had great field awareness, had explosiveness. Uh, and would go up and, and be physical. Uh, same with Brashard Perryman. Uh, you kind of look at a young Brashard Perryman and Gabe Davis, and what Brashard was able to do in his career at UCF: be explosive, be a big, have a big body, go up and get the football, uh, and, and turns out to be a, a top draft pick. So I think that Ga- Gabe Davis has that type of, uh, you know, that type of ceiling. I think that the opportunity for him to be a superstar in this program is there, and and frankly, he's already one of the bigger key assets to this offense as a freshman and I think that he's probably going to be one of the best Z or X receivers that we've seen at UCF in a long time um, and, and, and even with Traquan Smith on the other side of the field uh, Traquan's obviously a phenomenal player but Gabe Davis is right there and, and I'm excited to see what he can do for this program over the next uh, two or three years. 
All right, back to the Ask Nightline inbox. A little more football 101. Emmett wrote, one gets the feeling the more time that more time needs to be spent on tendencies in the film room. We're playing too far off the receivers, I believe. Is he correct? Um, gosh, that's a hard question. I think that, I think that uh, you know, a lot of times it depends on what your defense is willing to do. We're a defense that's going to fly around. We like to get pressure on the quarterback. <laughs> And when you're a team that can go out and score like our offense can, you're trying to avoid giving up big plays to the other team. Uh, You know, if it's a close game and we need to lock receivers down and we get into a blitz man-to-man battle situation where a game is tight, uh, then, yeah, you want to tighten up that coverage. But as long as we're a team that's going to play from ahead, which we have been all year, uh, the thing that you don't want to do is give up big plays on the outside. And so for our cornerbacks to sit back there and be play a little bit softer coverage than maybe people would expect, um, well, you, frankly, you do that to give yourself some cushion and, and, uh, and avoid some of those big plays down the field. So, yeah, tendencies are always key. Uh, I think that's a big part of film study. Uh, if, that, if, that, uh, if, if the individual that was asking that question thinks that our team isn't in there watching film and studying tendencies, then he's sorely mistaken because I can guarantee you that they are. Uh, but, you know, again, you don't want to give up those big plays, and I think that's why you're seeing that tendency. Folks got a little upset when the quick lead led to some struggle, and for only the second time this season, UCF didn't score in a quarter, which is just unbelievable, really, when you think about that, right? And Gabe Davis yeah. said in post game, he said, we got out to that lead, and he said, just collectively, everybody kind of let down the intensity a little bit. It got a little lazy, right, is what he said. Yep. So my question is, going on the road to Temple, everybody's thinking about Black Friday showdown with the Tampa school. Is this fall into that trap game? Does that concept of a trap game resonate with you during all your years of playing the game? There's definitely trap games, and and I, I would say that UConn would probably be more of a trap game than uh, Temple will be. Uh, that 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 game time at home, uh, kind of the environment that that was obviously it was a lackluster showing by the fan base. At the, certainly at the beginning of the game, it started to fill in as the game went on, which you would expect with a noon kickoff. Um, but it was kind of flat in the in the entire stadium. Although I will say, yesterday our fans uh, that were there. Uh, definitely were loud and in, uh, engaged and uh, involved, which was nice to see. Yeah, I have definitely felt it. It's hard to kind of make it like a tangible thing and really put your finger on, you know, yeah, we fell into the trap. What does that mean other than, I guess, if you lose the game? Um, but when you look at a Temple, I think Temple's success as of late will, for us will make that game not as much of a trap game. For them to beat Navy – um, and for them to get some of the other good wins that they've had recently, I think that Temple collectively is a very athletic team. Uh, they have a great coaching staff. Some of our former players are on that coaching staff, like Josh Lynham, who was a linebacker here for a long time, um, you know, former defensive coordinator who's now their head coach. Uh, so so those, those, that team's going to be ready to go. They're going to be fired up. And, and I think that our team understands that going up into Philly, I don't know what that – atmosphere is going to be like because they play in an NFL stadium, but that, the talent that they have on that team, I think is going to force our, our guys to understand that, Hey, you know, we're really two games away from putting ourselves in a conference championship game. And, and I think that motivation alone, plus the, the national recognition that we've received will not force us to play like this is a trap game, but yes, a trap game is a real thing in my opinion. 
All right, I don't want to overlook Temple, but looking ahead to that uh, showdown on Black Friday, number of questions and concerns about being able to contain Quinton Flowers. Against UConn a week ago, he had 516 all-purpose yards. You earlier referenced UConn's quarterback, who who was decent at, in moments in the game, but he's no Quentin Flowers, right? What do you? Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts about defending against Quentin Flowers? And I'll just throw one more thing in. UConn coach Randy Edsel was asked about the difference between Flowers and Mackenzie Milton, and he said both talented players, but Mackenzie's a better quarterback because he has a stronger arm than Quentin Flowers. But 516 all-purpose yards is a lot of yards uh, that he put up against UConn. What's your mind thinking about how to contain and limit how dangerous he can be? Well, I think that you, I think that you got to get pressure on him and contain him. So pressure from the inside, contain from the outside, or pressure from the outside, uh, and use your defensive line to contain him on the inside. You look at Shaquem Griffin yesterday. He was all over the field uh, as their quarterback was trying to run around and scramble. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're going to have to pressure and trap, uh, in my opinion, and really – that's where you're going to have to see like Hughes and Gerard and some of our corners and DBs play their best game because they're going to get one-on-one matchups outside because of Clinton's uh, ability to scramble. You're going to have to keep extra guys in the box and extra eyes on him throughout the course of the game, which are going to force man-to-man matchups on the outside. And that's when some of what we would call the more talented guys on our team, those DBs and especially the cornerback position, those guys are going to have to step up big time in that game. Uh, but I think if, if you can make Quentin Flowers win the game for them for South Florida, uh, you know, I think that bodes well for us because if South Florida is able to establish a running game, okay, with their running backs and then the running game with Quentin Flowers, and he's, a, he's able to sit back there and throw for another 250, 300 yards, it's going to be very tough to beat South Florida. So pressuring contain outside to in or inside out. Um, and, and then in some situations, third and eight, you know, third and long, how are you spying Quentin Flowers while still keeping guys in coverage? Can, Pat, can Jasinski, you know, drop down the middle of the field and then step up and make a tackle in open space? You're going to have to tackle him. You're going to have uh, to wrap up um, because many times I feel like if he, he gets going and Flowers escapes the pocket, it's not like you're always going to have three or four guys around him. People are going to have to make tackles in open space. Uh, and that's why I think yesterday just having a quarterback that was trying to move around in the pocket or scramble, sometimes your eyes need to be retrained for that. And uh, I, I, that's why I think it was good seeing a, a dual-threat guy yesterday who, for a freshman who hadn't played much, if any, at all, uh, I, I thought that he gave us a pretty good game uh, going against the number 18 team in the country with not many weapons around him. Kyle, again, we thank you for uh, doing this. Uh, what's been going on at the Little mm-hmm. Greek this week? Well, um, another busy week. We have, uh, we're actually uh, feeding the football team tomorrow for lunch, uh, so excited about that, excited to get down there and you know, let the guys know how much you know, I care about them and certainly how much uh, the fan base cares about them. It's always nice to see the guys in kind of a relaxed environment when there's no practice or no coaches around. You know, I'm just there basically breaking bread with them. And so we're excited and thankful to be able to, to provide um, – food for them tomorrow afternoon uh and then had had a couple different guys uh this week guys come up and talk to me and say they listen to the podcast uh the one guy's name that i remember sometimes i'm bad with names but rob uh came in and said he listened to the podcast and we chatted up with 
talking football a little bit on Friday afternoon, had a couple other guys earlier in the week that listened to the podcast where I sat down with them and talked to them for a little while uh, about UConn and about Coach Frost. Obviously, everybody wants to um, get my opinion on that. So I'll be in, I'll be in Little Greek and Waterford Lakes again all this week if anybody wants me to sit down with them and we can talk football. <laughs> he begins with a commercial and he ends with a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. All right, man. Thank you so much again for joining us, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, guys. I enjoy listening to the podcast every week. I'm glad to be a part of it. And remember, coming up this week, we'll have Nick Patty in the red zone with Nick Patty. That comes this week, and as well, the five questions with the Temple Insider. So, you know, listen to everything. Yeah, lots of stuff. She's had a lot of stuff last week, didn't we? week, I think we have basketball again, right? Yeah, another basketball game. Speaking of which... Good segue, Andrew. Thank you. UCF men's basketball got the 88-79 win over Mercer season opener, and however came at a cost. Now, I'm driving over to the stadium, and I'm listening to the pregame, and Jerry O'Neill is talking to athletic director Danny White, and he says, you know, shame about B.J. Taylor's broken foot, and Danny White pushes back and says, well, that's not confirmed that he, you know, he has a lower leg injury, and then I asked the uh, basketball SID, and he just kind of looked wide-eyed, like, why did Jerry O'Neill say that? So as we record, not an official statement by the team, but uh, it does not look good. Coach Dawkins will address the media this week. Now, interestingly, one of our Ask Nightline questions, Chris on Facebook, who will Coach Dawkins rely on to step up if B.J. Taylor has to miss extended uh, time? And Coach Dawkins spoke to that during the uh, postgame after Mercer. B.J. misses time. A.J. is going to have to definitely be a vocal leader for us. And then we have to, guys like Terrell have to step up, you know, and we brought him here for this type of role. You know, he's, he's a pure point guard. He came in, of course, to, to, to spend time behind BJ, you know, but you never know how this game goes. And so if it changes, his role has to change some. So we'll see what Terrell Allen does in the rest of the nights uh, coming up on Wednesday. Now, key for the Knights again this season is going to be the defense. So echoes redshirt freshman Cesar De Jesus. Defense, everything just comes back to defense. Um, first half, we weren't like playing our like actual principle, being in the pack and all that. So, like, second half, like during halftime, coaches like he had a talk with us and he just told us we gotta lock in and play defense because we're gonna score the ball. Next up for the men, home Wednesday, November 15th. First tip with Gardner Webb at 7 p.m. Meantime, Mercer, too much for the women's basketball, beating the Knights 73 64 in UCF's home opener. Joining the Nightline team this week, former men's basketball player Casey Wilson. He is here to talk hoops with us. Plus, what's on your mind? Time for Ask Nightline. Stay alert. Keep stair-stepping. Nightline in a quick 30. Hey, this is Travis Dever, Kai's Real Estate, the Dever team, New Smyrna Beach. Your source for real estate and everything else, New Smyrna Beach. Proud sponsor of Nightline and Nightline Post Game Live. Call me anytime at 386-690-1636. That's 386-690-1636. Let me show you my hometown, New Smyrna Beach, UCF's favorite beach. Go Knights and charge on. When he hung up his UCF jersey, Casey Wilson left the Knights with these notable achievements. Finished his career 10th in school history with a .392 three-point field goal shooting percentage. Ranked tied for 8th all-time at UCF with 120 games played. Also 8th in UCF's NCAA Division I era with 523 career rebounds. Now one more accolade. He's joining Nightline to talk UCF men's basketball. Casey, welcome to Nightline. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. What have you been up to since we last saw you playing for UCF? 
Um, so since then, I uh, played a little bit for the Florida flight, you know, just trying to uh, continue to play a little bit. And since then, um, I moved back down to my hometown in Northport, Florida. Uh, a, a good friend of mine since I was a kid actually owns a few companies. And uh, I've just been working for him doing, you know, online sales and phone sales and stuff like that. And just, you know, trying to find my way in this world without basketball. But, you know, uh, still working out, still trying to, uh, you know, see if uh, I might be able to continue to play. Good to hear it. Before we talk to you about this year's edition of the Knights, you got to have liked how deep last year's team went in the NIT. Talk a little bit about watching this team do what it did last year with seven scholarship players. No, it, it was awesome, you know, to see a first-year coach and Coach Dawkins to come in there and just really turn that program around. I mean, I know, you know, since I was there the first two years, you know, we had very solid teams, and then we came in the last two years, and, you know, we struggled. There was a lot of things going on. Um, and to, to see them, the, the turnaround that was made in such a short time, um, and, you know, to get to the championship of the NIT is just incredible. Because I know we went to the NIT, and it was a great experience. You know, of course, you want to make the NCAA tournament, but, um, you know, you get to the NIT, that's still a tournament that is nationally recognized, and you still take pride in being a part of. And just to see those guys go in there and tear it up and make UCF a national name is just, you know, it's something I'm proud of, you know, even though I wasn't on the team, you know, just to – to see those guys happy and you know making progress is awesome so you know what they did last year what would your expectation for them this year be with the talent they have they have size obviously you know you got taco you have um you know they have a good team they have they're deep at the the guard position um you know to me they're talented in the post you know you, you got depth with chad johnson and i mean i think that that's or chad brown excuse me i think that goes um, you know, that, that is definitely an NCAA tournament roster. So, you know, winning the game or two would not surprise me. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't count this team out. Your expectations sound a lot like what a lot of fans thought going into the season. And I go back just a couple of weeks to media day. We did interviews with B.J. Taylor, Taco Fall, Aubrey Dawkins. And then right before the season oh. starts, we learn – Aubrey's hurt, not going to play, and, and he may have been the one that was Matt Williams' heir apparent. Let's first talk about not having Aubrey. What do you think the impact might be on the team not having him? I mean, I say that, that there's definitely an impact, um, but just like I could say there were, there were certain games, you know, we, we even when I played, you know, we didn't have, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, say – Isaiah was injured. I know he's gotten hurt. Um, anything like that, it's just the coach. It's up to the coach. It's up to the team to say, hey, you know, we know we're missing a piece of our team. We know we're missing a key guy. Um, but we got to step in and we got to make sure that we can handle this to the best of us. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you're all you got, you know. Um, so it's definitely an impact. But I say, you know, at the end of the day, um, you're definitely going to have to adjust because there's adversity throughout any team, you know, even national championships, you know, champions, they get adversity. So it's a big impact. Um, but, you know, the way this team plays, they got heart. I like the depth at the guard position, um, you know, the forward position. I, I think that they will, you know, adjust. And do you say that knowing that B.J. Taylor has, has hurt his foot, the extent of which we don't fully know as we talk to you, can he be replaced with the depth that they have this season? It's hard to replace a guy like BJ, but what I will say, um, you know, BJ does do a lot. He, he does more than just score points. He gets guys involved. He's gritty. He rebounds. He's a tough guy. He's a tough player. You know, I love personally playing with BJ. You know, he was a guy that I knew that no matter what happened, um, you know, you're going to rely on that guy. So at the end of the day, 
um, you know, it, it's going to be tough regardless because of the talent that he brings to the floor every night, you know. Um, but I think with Chance, I love him, like he says, Mr. 94 feet. The guy is, you know, he, he's a dog. He has heart. We used to say back when I played, you know, are, are you a wolf or not? And I really think he is just because 94 feet, the guy's going to go get it. He wants the basketball. He wants to, you know, he, he wants to win every possession. And that's just what I've seen from picking, you know, uh, just picking up him watching his game. Um, I, I do like him, you know, um, just what he brings to the table. Well, let's talk about this game that they played on Friday night. What did you see that you liked? So what I liked is actually the, the you know, people can say what they want. What I saw from this, you know, the first half, um, I, I didn't see what I thought I was going to see. But the, the beautiful thing is the second half I did. To be able to see this team come out and, you know, this, the grit the second half, um, you know, the, the new guys scoring, everything. I, I, I love the energy from the guys. They picked it up in the second half. I already know that Dawkins went in there and, you know, got in their ear and let them know, hey, let's go, you know. And uh, that's exactly what a team needs. You know, you, you're not going to play your best basketball you know, no team is. Kentucky didn't. You're not going to play your best basketball on opening night. But to see the improvement they made from the first half to the second half, especially on the defensive end, and then they started getting it going on the offense, I, I like what I saw. So was there anything that you didn't like that you saw? I mean, we asked you what you liked. So now, of course, the yeah. next question would be <laughs> what you didn't like. <laughs> well, I will say I didn't like B.J. Taylor getting hurt. That, that's one thing that I did not like. But, no, it's – you know, it, it, it's hard to say, you know, like what you didn't or, or uh, didn't like what you saw. I mean, at the beginning of the season, first game, I mean, the, the answer to that question is going to be, yeah, there, there are some things I didn't, you know, like what I saw. But the, the, the second half progression, um, you know, the team is definitely going to figure it out. You know, these guys, you got some new guys. They haven't played in a game together. You know, it, it's totally different. You know, it, the practice is not at all the same as a game. Um, you know, you're playing against guys who know the plays. You, you've played with these guys all summer. You know, you went through preseason with these guys. You, you know them. So it is different actually executing in, in the game. So I will say, you know, once that picks up, th this team's going to be scary. I, I can't really pinpoint what I didn't like. Um, to be honest with you, though, I, I really can't. Okay, that's cool. That's acceptable. What kind of factor do you think Taco Fall can be, uh, you know, out for this first game? We're not sure how many games he may miss with uh, maybe a hip flexor kind of situation. How dominant yeah. can he be, and what improvements do you want to see in his offensive game that will show Knights fans that he's really stepped it up a level? Well, well with Taco, one thing that I've seen even since he's came in, I mean, at the end of the day, um, the guy's just going to be a, a, a straight-up rim protector. You know, I mean, he, he's 7'6". As skinny as he may look sometimes, people don't realize the guy is – I mean, I don't know how much he weighs, 300 pounds, over 300 the, – the guy's, you know, towards 300 pounds, if not over. So the guy's still, you know, a monster. So at the end of the day, um, I, I think that rim protector, that guy who you can get the ball up to in the post, most of the times, I mean, a 6'10 guy looks, you know, small to him. And, you know, not everyone has a 7-footer or 7-foot-1 guy on the roster. So, you know, I think he comes with, you know, a threat to where, hey, get, get this, you know, get the ball to him in the post. And he's got a nice touch at the free throw line. Um, and also, I, I definitely feel that, you know, with – experience you're, you're definitely going to get better um you know with him keeping the ball high and just realizing that hey you know if you do keep the ball high it's still you know as tall as some people um you, you keep it high and just you know punch it on them 
that's one thing I'd like to see out of him. His aggress- his aggressiveness has definitely picked up from, you know, sophomore or freshman to sophomore, but I'd like to see it take that next step, you know, to where I, you know, I, I see that, hey, this guy's one of the most unstoppable ball players in the country, and it's not just because of his height. It's because of his tenacity, you know, his, his willingness to go get it. By the way, Taco Fall listed on the UCF Athletics website, 7 feet 6, 295. When you uh, search on Athletics' website, you'll still find Casey Wilson's profile. Height 6'7", weight 235. Taco often says it's difficult for him to even fit into an airplane seat in first class. How is road travel for you at six feet seven? Oh man, I, I remember it's funny. I was never. I was probably the fourth, um, you know, the fourth, fifth tallest average throughout my career at uh, UCF. And I'm sitting there fighting the Stefan Blairs, the Dylan Carrells of the world, trying to get an exit row seat. But um, I mean, it's tough, anyways. I couldn't imagine him. I, you know, you, it's usually the guys you see the five eight to to, to five ten sitting in the exit row, and you're just wondering, like, come on, man, can I get the seat? <laughs> I couldn't imagine being a taco man, like having to squeeze into a small little delta um, row would be crazy. All right, well, Casey, thank you so much for joining us, man. We're really looking forward to talking to you throughout the season and uh, getting your insight because uh, it's going to be fun. I, I appreciate it. No, guys, I absolutely appreciate the opportunity. It's going to be a fun year, and uh, I'll definitely be up in Orlando soon to check out some games just so I can you know, get a more, I guess, in-depth feel on you know what this team's got going on this season. Good to have Casey now as part of the rotation Absolutely. of our basketball uh, insiders. Yeah, I like we that. got uh, another guy coming up next week, too. And so. then we had Victor last week from New Day Review. and We got all kinds of people. Got all kinds of people. We're like the UCF football offense now. We've got like nine guys to do all well, kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes when people can't do, you know, everybody's yeah, got a schedule. Everybody's got stuff that happens. You know, last year we... We uh, had Isaac on a couple times and then went to AJ because Isaac had some personal issues that he had to deal with. Well, guess what, guys? Isaac will be back. Good deal. Good deal. And that's cool. I really like that guy. I love Casey. Casey's one of my favorite people that I've ever dealt with out there at UCF. So I uh, am very, very happy to have him, and, and it's very exciting. All right, time again for Ask Nightline. Mind you, we've been working these questions in um, throughout the show, but we've got a couple more for you. And again, send those to us on Facebook, Twitter. I want to begin with Selena on Twitter, uh, who, by the way, posted on her Twitter feed during the game Saturday. We have a question from a female? Yes. Awesome. Who said on her Twitter feed yesterday, November 11th means a lot to me, not just because it's Veterans Day, but because it's actually the anniversary of the day I flew into Afghanistan, November 11th, 2012. It was my first Veterans Day after enlisting. Awesome. I don't regret a single moment. Go Air Force. Awesome. Even That's what better. she posted on her Twitter yesterday. I'm a and big then, fan, Selena. And then she sent in the question. She was interested in hearing a little bit more of the comparison between when the cows played UConn a week ago and when UCF played UConn. This weekend. Okay. So I spent a little time going back and forth. I pulled some stats for Selena. Cows won over UConn 37 20. Mind you, that included some late UConn points, just as right. that late touchdown right. against UCF. Cows, 602 yards of total offense, passing 385, rushing 217. For comparison, UCF had 519 yards of total offense. UConn had 324 yards against the cow defense. Uh, UCF gave up 413 to UConn. Interesting here, the Knights had 10 penalties for 84 yards, and this has been a season-long right. thing. The Cows had 11 penalties for 100 yards. Oh, wow. Against UConn. It's a whole football field right there. A lot there. of statistics that you can 
put in there. The big one, though, is Quentin Flowers, the quarterback, 516 yards, all-purpose yards. Awesome. So that was the big one. Um, and we'll talk more about the game cool. next week. Uh, um, well, thank you, Selena, for your question, and thank you for your service. Yes, definitely. Lbar87 on Twitter, what can we do to boost attendance numbers? I think UCF needs to do a better job at marketing. At some point, this will be a major concern if people don't start showing up. Mind you, we could have been doing this same question for the last 20 years. Yeah. We could read the same question. I, you know, I don't know. They've I, done a lot I, I in terms of the whole game day atmosphere. But once you get outside East Orlando, right? Yeah, you're downtown. It, it just, I mean, how it, often do you feel UCF? I mean, you're dialed into it because not of what we do. Yeah. But no, it needs to. They need to go on a campaign, a marketing campaign of of really. You know, not just a few stickers and some flags that say UCF, Orlando's. Orlando's hometown team. They need to really become Orlando's hometown team and really own that and do it. That's what they need to do, period. All right, Jason on Facebook. Now, I know it's family-friendly nightline, but um, when a UF, Nebraska, or some other school alum talks to me about taking Scott Frost, <laughs> should I kick them square in the balls or punch them square in the balls? Kick. Of course, <laughs> kick. Kick. I mean, kick. punching is, is not enough. Kick. You need to kick them straight in the balls. I, I love this question, by the way. <laughs> I you might this like. is a great question, Jason. Like. Thank you very I much. You might like yes. that question. Yeah, those guys that are coming to our games and trolling our games, not, not only do they troll our message boards and Twitter and everything else, they're trolling our games. That's not cool. Did you see what I was posting when people would upload photos of people in red or orange and blue? No. I said, spread their shame. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we should. Send we that should. out. In fact, after, shame you, after you kick them in the balls, <laughs> we'll grab them and like, hang them from the flagpole or something. Oh, boy. I don't know. Oh, Off boy. the side of the stadium. I don't know. UCF Fantasy. So, you know, we've been taking on the guys from oh, the Black boy. and Gold Banneret and the UCF I Fantasy Football Challenge. Dinner on the line. Now, a little caveat here. When we started this game that we did not know Eric Lopez would serve as a scorekeeper for games up in the press box. Yeah. What's our word? Shenanigans. Absolutely. Shenanigans. Cheating. Nightline had Adrian Killens, Mike Hughes, Banneret combo of Traquan Smith, Pat Chizinski. Uh, apparently they may have won this week. I think it's all tainted. Our guy was hurt. Killens was but, hurt, but so he when, didn't play. But when their guy, Eric Lopez, is the official scorekeeper for the stadium. He probably radioed down to the sideline, take Killens out. I don't know. Something. There's... There's money involved and, and all kinds Shenanigans. of things. So, Updating the Twitter poll on the Baby Frost name. 59% now, Andrew Frost. 41% Trace Frost. Really? So it's, it's narrowing. It was 75-25. Well, that's not cool. People Come on, voting. guys. They Come can't on. hear it. Come on. Oh, they will, bud. Well, I left it up for 24 hours, so they'll hear oh, it. Oh, man. Six AA schools are bowl eligible. We go around the American, plus we check on where UCF ranks in the Fan Happiness Index in News and Notes. We're back before you can park your car. Night Nation, now that the football season has started, you're going to need all the tailgating supplies and clothing for the rest of the season. And the best place to get all of your favorite night stuff is Fan Addicts. Please go to our website, ucfnightlinepodcast.com. Click the Fan Addicts logo to find the best selection and best prices for everything you need. Now time for a look around the American featuring C. Austin Cox.
I'm C. Austin Cox from the AAC Daily on BCSNN, and this is your weekly wrap-up of what's happening throughout the American Athletic Conference following week 11 of the college football season. Following a wild week of college football, the American remains the only league in the nation to have three teams with one loss or fewer. UCF leads the way at 9-0 and is one of only four teams nationally without a loss, along with Alabama, Miami of Florida, and Wisconsin, while USF and Memphis both sit at 8-1. The picture for the American Athletic Conference Championship should come into focus this week as all 12 teams will be back in action. Memphis could possibly clinch the Western Division if the Tigers are able to beat SMU on Saturday, while UCF will clinch the East Division title with a win against Temple on Saturday and if USF loses to Tulsa on Thursday. If UCF and USF both win, or possibly both lose this week, then it sets up a situation where it's a winner-take-all matchup next week for the Eastern Division title and a spot in the conference championship. The best game of this week came in Annapolis, Maryland, as the Navy midshipmen built a 23-point lead at halftime, but then saw SMU come all the way back to tie it late in the fourth quarter before the mids were able to get a game-winning field goal as time expired for a 43-40 win over the Mustangs. The UCF Knights continue to break new ground in their perfect season as Central Florida improved to 9-0 for the first time in program history thanks to a 49-24 win over UConn. Quarterback Mackenzie Milton threw for 311 yards and two touchdowns to go with a rushing TD, while running back Otis Anderson rushed for two more touchdowns and wide receiver Traquan Smith had seven catches for 120 yards. Good news for the Owls as Temple now stands on the cusp of bowl eligibility after Temple football picked up a 35-24 win at Cincinnati on Friday night. Wide receiver Isaiah Wright had a big night with a highlight reel-worthy 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown to help keep the momentum on the Owls' side. The Tulane Green Wave capped Saturday night's action off with a 31-24 road win over the ECU Pirates in overtime. Running back Dontrell Hilliard rushed for a career-high 189 yards and two touchdowns, while Banks finished with 96 yards rushing and two TDs of his own. I'm C. Austin Cox, and that's what's happening around the American Athletic Conference following week 11 of the college football season. For more news about the American, you can catch me on the AAC Daily airing Monday through Friday starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Central, on BCSNN, iTunes, Spreaker, and the iHeartRadio app every weekday. Now back to Orlando with your host Andrew Fagley and Trace Trilco on UCF Nightline. All right, Knights and the Pros, A.J. Boye, your Sunday star, a big interception in overtime as the Jags win to move on to 6-3. and three. In first place, tied with Tennessee, Blake Bortles 28-51 of 51 with a TD pass and two interceptions. That's not the greatest stat there. Blake, Latavius Murray 17 carries, 68 yards and a touchdown for the Vikings. The opportunity to shine is there for Shaquille Griffin now that Seattle's pro bowler Richard Sherman is out for the season with an injury. Great, great job that he is doing there. I can't wait because he is going to be a pro bowler at some time. I'm waiting. Let's take a quick look at the week ahead in your Nightline Planner. Women's basketball hits the road November 13th at Chattanooga, then at Gardner-Webb on November 17th. Also on the 17th, volleyball heads to Temple. The 19th, volleyball is at UConn. On the 18th, men's basketball is back home at 2 o'clock. By the way, I don't really like that because that's the same time as the football game. Overlapping there, I don't know how that's going to happen. And finally on the 19th, women's basketball is at Virginia Tech. And now, news and notes from the world of UCF sports. (laughs) 
Softball welcomes five new recruits to the program, and we do not know their names. <laughs> we do know their names. <laughs> Alyssa Oaks, Carissa Ornalis, Ashley Stevenson, Tara Testa, and Brianna Vasquez, <laughs> which is your way of getting me to say Absolutely. the five names. Absolutely. And I think that I uh, covered that nicely. <laughs> you did. Volleyball sweeps Houston Sunday, swept Tulane Friday. Quick note, volleyball head coach Todd Dagenet's father passed away. So yeah. um, thoughts to the him bummer. and, yeah. and had a chance to share that uh, with him the other day. The Knights are 8-8 eight and eight in the American, 15-13 and 13 overall. UCF welcomed former head coaches Laura Smith uh, and Lucy McDaniel into its ring of honor. McDaniel won a national title at UCF back in 1978, which is really hard to believe, by the way, that she wasn't in the ring of honor. Uh. When you win the national championship, it's not like our cup runneth over on on national championships. And five new recruits to UCF Volleyball. Well, let me say those names, too. Brianna Garcia, Catherine Wesselich, Bailey Wilson, Amber Olson, and McKenna Melville. And where are they from? No. <laughs> you ask him, no. I'm just joking. I can find it. No, no, no. Cross Country finishes 27th at the NCAA South Regional Championships in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Cows finish 29th. Where's the sound effect? <laughs> Very good. How's UCF doing in ESPN's Fan Happiness Index going into this weekend's games? Now, before the games, here's your top 10. Happy. Happy programs. 10th, Northern Illinois. 9th, Purdue. 8th, Houston. 7th, Penn State. 6th, Toledo. 5th, TCU. 4th, Notre Dame. They're not happy anymore. They got crushed. 3rd, UCF. 2nd, Alabama. Number 1, Georgia. Also crushed. I think UCF has a chance to move up in at least one poll. Absolutely. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, whatever poll. Yeah. Whatever. And finally, for the fourth consecutive year, UCF student-athletes are graduating at a higher rate than any other public FBS school. Trailing only six private institutions, Notre Dame, Stanford, Northwestern, Duke, Vanderbilt, and Boston College. Not bad names to be associated Mm. with at all. Number one public. Very good. Nightline postgame live again this coming uh, Saturday, right? Absolutely. 30 minutes after the game. Taking questions. Not sure where it's going to be again, like I said. I'm not sure if we're going to do it at Burger U or from the 1148 Studios, but we will be doing it from someplace. 61% Andrew Frost. That's what people want. Well, good. I mean, uh, Andrew's a great name. Most Andrews are A-type personalities, and it's all good. Speaking of, I'm Andrew Fagley. (laughs) I'm Trey Strelko. Go Knights! Charge on. (laughs) If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.